Let's talk some international stocks. Let's get away from the tech trade here. Even though it's firming up, today we got some strength in the NASDAQ trying to go positive. But let's shift our focus abroad for a few minutes. Hans Albrecht joins us, Vice President and Portfolio Manager and Option Strategist Horizon ETFs Management. Hans, good morning. Good to see you. Good morning, Oliver. Good to see you too. You've got an interesting arrangement of companies here that might take us out of our U.S. stock market funk. Let's get into it. Uh, Dutch semiconductor uh, fabrication business, uh, U.S. Um, uh, local one. We'll start there. ASML that fits into your broad strategy. Uh, how come this is your U.S. pick? You know, I like this. Uh, I like this play uh, in our funds. We like to focus a little bit on the so-called picks and shovels of the industry. Uh, so we like, you know, companies that provide components and the building blocks and the sort of machinery that can serve multiple vendors as opposed to kind of betting on one particular brand. And Dutch company ASML is one such company. You can think of these guys as the maker of the machines that make semiconductors. So these are 150 ton machines. Um, you know, the, they deal in photolithography. Try to say that five times fast. They're hugely in demand. Uh, the waiting list for these machines has lengthened throughout the pandemic. And what I like about this story is that if globalization is really under threat, so we're starting to see countries continue to look to reduce their dependence on Asia for chips, uh, ASML is going to benefit as more places need to buy these machines. The EU has a goal of doubling its presence in the chip market uh, by 2030. We're seeing tens of billions in subsidies on the U.S. side into the sector. Uh, that bodes really well for companies like this. Interesting. So um, uh, it's a lithography machine for uh, chips. And uh, I guess uh, they have a, a fairly unique, um, uh, uh, is it a monopoly? Should we use that word? Uh, just about. There are a couple companies that do this. Uh, these guys are, are one of the premier companies. So yeah, I mean, these are giant machines. They take uh, a number of jets uh, to transport. Uh, so they're and and they've gotten uh, harder to come by in the last couple of years as as, as people are really pushing ahead with their plans to uh, to bring fab to bring manufacturing of chips into uh, various locales. So yeah, these are pretty specialized machines. Uh, stock has uh, been uh, under pressure alongside the semiconductor group uh, since November. Is there any reason to think that? Uh, it can break away. I mean, it's still uh, well above almost twice what it was pre-COVID. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Does that mean it's got a long ways down to go? Or does that mean that uh, it's uh, got stability and uh, places that it might find support? You know, I think in the in the case of semiconductors, we've got to realize that these are, you know, essentially, you know, the makeup for our modern world. And so, you know, we've had boom and bust cycles in semiconductors in, in the past. The difference here is, you know, semiconductors were sort of, you know, concentrated in the retail uh, area, you know, you know, things like PC, smartphones. That's really evolving now. Now you're talking about AI and factories and home appliances, Internet of Things. You're talking about a trillion potential devices out there that are going to need to be connected uh, to a network or the Internet. Uh, so it's a lot more. It's cars, it's uh, electric vehicles. And these devices are going to need more and more chips over time. So data centers are going to need 300 uh, percent the number of chips that they have today in about eight, you know, seven or eight years. Cars are going to be using more and more chips as we sort of trend, as we sort of uh, uh, you know head towards a world with you know EVs taking up most of the sales in, in in automobiles. So we're looking at a very long secular trend for semiconductors, and so I'm very positive on the area. 
Okay. Um, and um, Hans, when you look at the non-U.S. businesses, so uh, U.S. listed, easily tradable on the market, ASML, but still Dutch-based. Uh, and a couple of the other ones we're going to talk here. You've got a couple of Japanese uh, tech companies uh, that I want to think about for a sec. Uh, how do, how, how, what kind of benefit from like a valuation perspective do you get from going outside the U.S. Are these companies at all insulated from what the Fed is doing and how that's applying pressure to valuations at home here? Well, I, I think, you know, very few areas are going to be insulated from what's going on around the world in terms of, you know, central bank tightening um, and the reset that we're seeing in technology in general. Uh, you guys were talking about the VIX earlier, and I, and I think there is a bull market. It's, it's in volatility. And so, you know, we're going to continue to see these days where we close up high on big days and we're going to close down on the bottom on 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 uh, on poor days uh that's just that's what a vix 30 35 market looks like and i think we've got to get used to it until we start, until we see a little bit better visibility on uh on, on inflation numbers uh maybe we need to see bonds stabilize a little bit things improve a little bit in china uh, with the lockdowns. Uh, but in general, I think you're going to see weakness around the world. And I think that presents an opportunity uh, as you look around the world. The U.S. companies tend to command a much larger premium. They're, they're kind of the go-to. They're very profitable. Um, but that creates a bit of a dislocate in terms of valuation. So as we look internationally, we start to see some very interesting uh, valuations as compared to those in the U.S. And, and that's another reason I like some of these international names. A Japanese uh, business uh, that you describe as similarly picks and shovels, making the stuff that makes other things, but this more tied to robotics. Kiens stock that uh, was at around $700 U.S. dollars back in September has come way off down to 400 What makes this turn around? Well, look, again, this is, uh, you, know, you know, you're looking at these narratives with staying power is what I like to call them. As I look out, especially when you're investing in growth, you've got to look at these stories. You've got to believe that they're strong for not just the next three to six months, you know, that they're strong in the longer term. Uh, and when I look at things like, um, you know, the Internet of Things, if I look at the way the, the world is evolving and becoming more connected and how, you know, so many of these analog things around us are being transformed digitally, uh, I just have to be bullish on the prospects longer term. And again, you know, for these devices to be able to operate uh, and connect and uh, and observe the world around them, they need sensors. And that's what this company does. They, they you know, specialize in scanners and lasers and positioning systems. Uh, let's face it, these little things uh, that we're going to have all around us need to see and feel from a robotics perspective. And when you're looking at tens of billions or hundreds of billions of devices potentially, uh, that that become connected over the next ten to twenty years, uh, you have to be you have to be bullish on the bits and pieces, and this is a very important bit and piece that needs to go into many of these devices. Hmm. And uh, Hans, do you feel confident about um, a connection to um, uh, businesses that are uh, uh, tied to the uh, EV space? You've got another one, SQM, uh, that uh, uh, is a lithium miner. Some of these uh, trends for the EV market have now been a year under pressure. How does that turn around? What needs to change in the narrative there for uh, this group that has been really punishing to pretty much everything outside of Tesla? Yeah, I, I mean, look, a lot of the a lot of the sector's been hurt. We've seen lithium uh, kind of hang in there. Lithium prices are up uh, multiples of 100% year over year. 
Um, we're just using more and more of this stuff. The, the use of lithium is sort of quadrupled, I think, about in the, in the last decade. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of commodities in general. I think there's sort of a secular trend of, of deglobalization. China is sort of no longer this workshop of the world. They're now starting to compete for a lot of the resources that we all compete for. Uh, I think that's quite bullish on commodities in general. Now, I also love the idea of a commodity that's also tied to strong technology trends, and that's what lithium is. It's used in batteries of all sorts, electronic devices. There's not enough of it around. So put this in the category of way more demand than supply. And one big problem with supply is it takes a long time to get a lithium mine online. It can take you know seven, eight, 10 years. So you can build a battery plant in a, in a year or two, but you're just not gonna have enough lithium to satisfy the demand over the next little while. SQM is one of the great companies out there that mines lithium and, and one of the byproducts, they also mine a little bit of, uh, they also mine a little bit of fertilizer. So that's also a, mm. sort of a bullish slant to this. Some very reasonable earnings at 12 times 2022 uh, earnings. Charts looking pretty good. Seems like that fertilizer side might be doing some work right now. Hans, really interesting picks. Thanks for taking us out of our bubble for a minute. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. Hans Albrecht is the Vice President and Portfolio Manager at Horizon ETFs in that management coming up.